0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchor Podcast. This morning we jump into Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 reads, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought many to him who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him. Coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged them, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out, and they went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. Then the herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. All right, and as we think about one nugget that we can pull from this passage, uh, we'll do that in the context of what's happening throughout this whole chapter. Uh, This chapter has a lot of different displays of Jesus's miracles, and the miracles all... Uh, have a little bit different uh, focus, but they're displaying some important things that are going on. And so when we think about Jesus healing this leper, as Jesus heals the leper, he touches the leper. Uh, And so what we know about leprosy, leprosy was spread through contact. Jesus is displaying he's not only able to heal, but that sickness is not able to be transferred to him, displaying his power. Then with this faith of the centurion, He's showing that he doesn't have to do things the same way as others. So he doesn't even have to be in proximity to those he's healing, uh, which is crazy. But it shows really the depth of the faith of that centurion as well because he knows how authority works. If God has given Jesus the authority and the ability to heal He doesn't even have to be in proximity to those places. He also then shows his healing over many different demons, the sicknesses that are there, all of those different things are showing the facets of it. it's not just that he's doing a trick. It's not just that he uh, has one ability, but the multifaceted, multi leveled opportunities that he has for healing. Uh, it's even amazing when you look at the disciples' reaction to this. It's very much similar to the same reaction that we saw at the end of chapter 7. And so when Jesus calms the storms, the disciples are there with him, uh, and the men, and they marvel and they say, "'What sort of man is this that even the winds in the sea obey him?' Looking back at chapter 7, and when he finished his teachings, they were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So the authority of his teaching is now further demonstrated as the authority of his abilities in his miraculous signs. Uh, and always remember, when he's doing these signs, when miracles occur, they're pointing people back to the fact that this is a person who has been sent by God, who has a message for for his people. And we see centered into this little chapter, uh, there's a section that's not about miracles. And in that little section, we have really the cost of discipleship, what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. And so with all these miracles, all these things, people are going to be latching themselves to him. Uh, We'll talk about some different reasons for that later. Uh, But right now, enough to say that because he's doing the miracles, because he's doing all these teaching, so many people would want to latch themselves to him uh, and want to be his followers so that they could benefit from what's taking place. But he says, hey, it's not like what you think. He gives these two examples here, Matthew does, of people that are trying to follow Jesus. And he says the cost is going to be more than what they're willing to do. And so he has the authority to do these healings. He's he's looking for true faith. He's looking for uh, those who are wanting to truly be an extension of what the kingdom of God looked like in Matthew's Uh, Sermon on the Mount, and as he's doing that, he's letting people know it's not going to be as easy as you think. I think that's really important for us to do. And so uh, as we think about that, uh, it should heighten our sense of the fact that even though God has the ability to do these miracles in our lives or in a midst around us, all those different things, it doesn't mean that following God is going to make our life simple or easy. And I think that's a misnomer that a lot of us have, uh, maybe even when you were presented the gospel, uh, it was something to the extent of follow Jesus and he will solve all of your problems. Um, it's not really the case. Jesus is very, very, very. Uh, against that type of a teaching and says it's not going to make it easier. In fact, not only will it not be easy for um, those people, he's saying it's not even going to be easy for me. He says the son of man has nowhere to rest, nowhere to lay his head. Uh, And so if it's not easy for Jesus, it's not going to be easy for us. If the world hates Jesus, the world is going to hate us if we follow Jesus. Uh, And so we need to keep those thoughts in mind. And uh, a very common question that comes up with this is like, what's going on with this response? Uh, To the second man who is asking about following Jesus. And so look back at verse 21 and it says, Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Um, And so Jesus basically says, Hey, you don't have time for that. Let them go deal with that. Uh, And so what's happening here is Jesus actually telling this guy whose dad is dead, Hey, you don't even have time to go bury this man. So we have to understand some of the customs that go on. Uh, We have to understand uh, what took place in terms of like a a time of mourning that would take place for that. Uh, And also that probably this man's father is not actually dead. Uh, A lot of scholars point to the fact that this could be uh, an opportunity that this man is waiting for his father to pass pass away so that he can receive his inheritance. Uh, And so this man is not really saying, hey, my father is physically dead right now. Uh, Let me go do this real fast, and then I'm going to be on board. But he's saying, I have things in my life that I want to do before I'm willing to follow you. I want this inheritance, which would have been financial, um, or I want uh, to set these other things in order of my life before I'm willing to follow. Uh, And Jesus basically says, that's not how this works. We know that from uh, looking back at the traditions, there would be at least a week of mourning Uh, by close friends and family for somebody who was loved, Uh, but children were supposed to mourn their parents for an entire year. And so this could be a prolonged uh, event that would take place for this person saying, hey, it's a long time until I'm willing to commit to doing this. And Jesus says, hey, that's not what we're talking about here. If you're choosing to follow, you need to follow in obedience and you'll come right now. And so you might find another question. That's just one that I know is very common for this chapter uh, because it makes Jesus really look heartless. Uh, It's not as heartless as it sounds, but it's definitely a focal thought about truly the cost of discipleship. What is it in our lives that we're trying to say, hey, God, let me Get this or solve this or when these things happen, then I'll truly turn and follow you. And Jesus says, hey, that's not how my kingdom works. That's not how my followers work either. So come up with your question. Uh, dwell on that nugget today. Uh, talk with one person about this. And we look forward to seeing how God is using this in your life. And though, as always, you are loved. You're-